Hello, and thank you for joining the IPG Media Lab from each of our respective homes. I am your host, Scott Elchison, and this week's episode was recorded on Wednesday, April 15th, 2020. This week, we have two very special guest interviews with the business and marketing leaders that are helping guide and navigate their organizations through these challenging times. You will hear firsthand how these business leaders are thinking strategically, but also tactically uh, about their business as well as their media and marketing strategies uh, and what they've been doing and how they've been doing it from both a business and marketing perspective. So we're super thankful to have these featured guests this week. And first up, we have an interview with Norman DeGreve, the CMO of CVS Health, who is interviewed by our very own Eileen Kiernan, UM's global CEO, on how CVS is approaching the current COVID-19 situation from a marketing as well as a business standpoint. Then from the second half of the show, we head on over to Motor City for a conversation between UM's Scott Russell and Casey Herbers, the CMO of Quicken Loans, on how they are thinking and navigating through these challenging times. So with that, let's dive right in. Eileen, Norman, take it away. Thank you, Scott. And I'm very excited to be here on Floor 9, which is one of my favorite podcasts, as it should be. And I'm here today with the CMO of CVS, Norm DeGrav, who is kindly joining us for a conversation today. Excited to have you, Norm. Thanks for having me. Well, Norm, if we could just dive right in. Uh, you are clearly, as a, as a healthcare company, in the eye of the storm, so to speak, um, in the USA at the moment, dealing with all sorts of things that are probably very specific to your category, but also beyond your category. Can you tell us a little bit about how CVS is approaching the current crisis and how you're responding? Sure. And you're right, we are. It feels like we're in the eye of the hurricane on this one. Um, not because it's calm, but because we're in the center. Uh, we uh, First, to start with our stores, we have 10,000 stores and we have employees uh, we have to manage to make sure that they feel taken care of and that they feel safe in a retail environment in this uh, crisis. And then, of course, we provide a lot of essential medicine for people. So we have to make sure that they have that medicine and they're getting it in a way that is uh, not making things worse for them. So that's, you got a whole employee issue, you got a whole retail issue, you've got healthcare uh, and, and medicine uh, sorts of issues going on. Uh, and then, of course, you got a bunch of business dynamics going on of, um, you know, people hoarding and spending a lot and then changing their behavior, people not going out to retail, and uh, then the companies on the healthcare benefit side furloughing employees, and that has implications on the benefit side. Uh, and then we're working with the federal and state governments on uh, testing sites. And so, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty much in the center. Um, so, so, Norm, you, you know, CBS is, is doing a lot um, at the moment. I, I've seen, I've been doing some reading, and I've seen some of, the, some of the ways that you're showing up, which were impressive, from the way that you're changing your policies for your, for your employees, including part-time employees, the greeting cards that you made available for essential workers, the co-pays. That, that are being waived, testing sites. I mean, the manner in which you're showing up is significant. And, and I'd, I'd love to understand a little bit about the decision-making process that, that went into that because they're, they're big bets in a very short period of time. They are, and there's a lot of them. The, the first criteria is what are your priorities? And for us, it became very clear that our first priority was our employees because if you don't have your employees working, it's going to be very hard to help your customers. And, for, and, and you know, that's complex for us because not only do we have – 300,000 people, uh, a number of call centers that have to go uh, from their central locations to the homes. But of course, we have almost 10,000 stores. And those people in those stores need to feel taken care of because 
they're nervous. I mean, they're afraid that they're going to get the coronavirus because they go to work and they feel compelled to go to work because many of them need the income in a very near-term basis. And so it creates a lot of sense of anxiety. And so it became very clear to us, start with the employees, listen to what their concerns are and make sure we're addressing them. And that that's where you saw things come, like we put in uh, protective barriers at the uh, pharmacy counters. We put the social distancing tape on the floors. We had um, a lot of employees who's had kids where their schools closed and then the kids came home and all of a sudden, you know, mom or dad's got to be home to take care of the kids. And that that's stressful for them and not great for our business. And so we decided we'd pay for their childcare for a period of time so that they could take care of both things. And so employees, number one, make sure you're listening to them. And it has been a constant act of listening every week and figuring out how we can respond every week to what they, what they need. Number two is, how are you helping your customers in a meaningful way? And I think in times of crisis, that's how you make the connection. That's how you're relevant by actually doing something that tangibly helps them be better off uh, in the situation. And that meant for us, you know, free delivery of medication, which in some ways, though, that, that sounds nice. But actually, if you have a lot of medical conditions, you're really scared to go into a store. And our purpose is helping people on their path to better health. And we want to make sure that they have the medicine that they need to, to be on their path to better health. And so that's why we did free delivery, free telehealth, um, uh, and a bunch of other things. But that was our second criteria. First, employees. Second, customers. How do you help them uh, in a meaningful way uh, get through this and, uh, and be better off? Norm, I know, I know the whole idea of purpose is very near and dear to your heart. And um, certainly, this is a moment in time when CBS gets to walk the walk and live into that purpose. In terms of, of how you also look at it as a business, because you know, getting that balancing act between purpose and profits right, how are you also thinking about making it out the other side of this? So it's complex. It's a, it's a really good question. And this is the tension that I think many companies are facing because it's not only important for their business, but many of us live in an ecosystem where you know we, we have uh, vendors that we pay and then they have employees. And so the whole thing has to work together. What I would say as a simple thing is your question is right on that purpose uh, is where you start, but it's not free to do. You have to be very thoughtful about it. Our hope is that the actions that we take here create meaningful, long-lasting relationships with the consumers and customers that we help. Uh, and uh, and we think hard every day about how do we manage through to the next phase of this uh, situation. You mentioned you mentioned telehealth, which, which is an interesting segue because one of the things many of us are thinking about, and I'm sure you're no different, is when we come out the other side of this, whatever that looks like, there's an assumption that there'll be a new normal. And whether it's a brand new behavior or a brand new trend or a thing that will have been accelerated, there will be new things in our culture that we will be navigating that wouldn't have been either at the pace or stage of the rash or even in existence maybe a year ago if we hadn't gone through this. Telehealth is, is one of those things. Online shopping, food delivery will change forever. How are you thinking about that trend space in terms of how this might fundamentally accelerate or reshape how you're thinking about not just your business, but the speed of your transformation and where you go next? Well, you're right about the acceleration. Uh, and it's, uh, it's actually pretty exciting. If you take telehealth, I think you know, let's say half the country had heard the word telehealth uh, and a very small percentage of people were, were actually using it. And now we're probably at a place where most of the countries heard the word telehealth and a much larger percentage of people are are using it. And that's an acceleration that may have taken a decade to get to. Uh, and so that has huge implications. The healthcare system, it's a system in which 
a physical con- uh, presence, a physical co- connection with another human being has a huge impact uh, on feeling confident about your health and what you, uh, where you should go, and what steps you should take. And telehealth accelerating in that um, is exciting for us because it gives us so many more opportunities to connect with people in their homes and then to connect that experience into what we have to easily and conveniently help them with uh, in our store. So the digital piece of where we are now, it's much accelerated and actually really exciting. It had kind of been, I wouldn't say stalled, but there were so many digital health companies that had uh, launched but weren't getting any traction because consumer adoption wasn't there. And so our hope is that that ecosystem is fueled uh, and going forward because we obviously have a, a huge physical infrastructure. We have our own initiatives in digital, but you can't imagine that we have all the answers in digital. And so the more innovation that happens in the space, the more companies we can work with and partner with, that's better for us. And so I, I, our, our expectation is that things have fundamentally changed. And uh, as far as the healthcare world has uh, comes, is uh, changed for the better. It's interesting. I'm, I'm going to switch gears for a second and take us down a little bit to, to brass tacks because I have a very kind of fundamental question for you in terms of just, just the advertising and media space. Many marketers, again, we're talking about a span of you know four weeks in the U.S. where we've been really cognizant of, of the gravity of what's happening. And many marketers have been a little bit stunned by how to navigate that and, and, and the speed of it, quite frankly. And, and therefore, there has been some who have pulled dollars from the marketplace or have frozen temporarily. And yet you, you're as active as, as ever, maybe more so. From an advertising perspective and a media perspective, how do you as a marketer think about the way you engage with the marketplace? Uh, this has changed everything. We and many other marketers pulled everything out of market. Essentially, nothing we had was built to be relevant in the context, either because the substance wasn't there or because the tonality of the messaging wasn't right for the situation. And so everything was pulled out. And then we went quickly, within a week, back in with uh, new messages uh, around free delivery and telehealth and other things. And the guiding criteria for us on that is make people aware of something that's useful. And that is where I think people need to be focused. I uh, There's a lot of advertising out there right now that I think is well-intended, but risks a little bit of coming off. Uh, as marketers feeling too impressed with themselves. Uh, and I think you just you just need to provide useful things and make people aware of those things that are useful. Mm. I, uh, As an aside, I did hear a dog bark in the background a few minutes ago. I'll be very surprised if I get through this podcast without some of my animals jumping in and making a, causing a ruckus. But I okay. just in the, whole, in the whole notion of working from home, and I, I imagine like our employees, you know, we've kind of handled that first stage of getting the tech to work and getting people monitors, et cetera. But there's a broader... There's a broader question out there as to how to think about your employee base on the back of what we're learning about remote working, remote capability, et cetera. Have you given that any thought and in, in, in terms of you know transformation to the employee workforce and how you think about it differently than what you would have been thinking if you weren't going through this particular moment in time? When we first went on uh, working from home, uh, I was uh, nervous about it. I, uh, in fact, sent an email to my team saying, hey, you know, this is good, but here are some uh, guidelines you might want to think about, about staying connected, staying on Skype. By the way, none of your goals change for the year. We expect you to, uh, you know, keep working on all those things. Um, I have learned since we started doing this that uh, the people I work with are more productive. Uh, they are happier because they don't have commutes and or can spend more time with their families. Uh, 
There are definitely some, I'd say, on the more extroverted side who are itching to get back together in person, and, th and that's fine. And there are some jobs that I'd say, you know, particularly on the sales side, where in-person relationships and social connections make a difference, which are important. So I'm very hopeful that this has a significant impact on how we think about how we work together. And um, if you think about it as a practical matter, if we can really go this way, it breaks down the location barrier to recruiting in a massive way. I suspect that we, we do blend back into time in the office uh, and time at home. And what I'm hopeful for is that we've taken a significant step forward in realizing that working from home is as good, if not more productive than, than working in the office. And we should just make sure that we're facilitating that connection as we move back to old habits. You know, we jokingly laugh about that the toilet paper craze that's been going on. But in terms of the products that people prioritize and, prioritize and how you think about your store design, do you think they'll yeah. be impacted and changed forever on the back of just changing human priorities coming out of this? Well, I, I do. I, you know, certainly on the retail side, then you're going to see uh, delivery has gone way up. That changes not just, oh, you need to have an e-commerce business, but I think you need to have a reason for being in that e-commerce business. For us, that clearly revolves around the health side and how we can consolidate a lot of that stuff for you. Um, it changes the products that you have to have uh, in your store and uh, how your stores are laid out. Even just take our, uh, our minute clinic areas, you know, if, if there's um, social distancing, we have to sit six feet apart. All those chairs have to be six feet apart. And some of those areas we just need to redesign. And so I think it has a pretty big impact. Uh, you know, we looked at buy online, pick up in store. So it's called Bopis uh, a couple of years ago. And we really struggled with it because we were a you know, we're pretty convenient in most locations. People just drop in. Why, why, why would they do this? And now, of course, that looks like a great idea, right? And so that's back on the table. I think the integration of telehealth and physical presence uh, at our minute clinics is going to be different than ever was before. That changes the products that we might carry in our store. I think it has a meaningful impact on the products, the experience, the design of the stores, what we focus on in delivery, how we drive a meaningful position in consumers' heads in an e-commerce-based uh, world. So, Yeah, I, I, do. I think all of us are wondering what social distancing 2.0 or 3.0 will actually look like and what will stick around, which, which will be an interesting phenomenon. In, in thinking about your broader transformation plan, because you have, been, you have been on a transformation journey for the past couple of years, and, um, and I'm sure you've had a pretty ambitious strategy against that. And I'm wondering, has this... Take, has this caused you or will this cause you to take a giant left turn and rethink or is it really an acceleration of some of the things that you've been experiencing and it's really just about really having the flexibility to, to double down on the opportunities that this now, despite, you know, obviously in, in difficult circumstances for sure, but where there are changes that will stick around for the future? It's a great question. There is no question that this is accelerating our transformation. Our, our strategy is to be the most consumer-centric health company in the country. You do that by being more convenient for people, affordable, uh, that sort of idea. And the infusion now of how people use technology accelerates what we're able to do. Uh, we can connect with them in more places. We can do more services for them. Uh, we can have different things in our stores because of that. So this period accelerated their behavior and the behavior is accelerating our transformation, which is, you know, honestly something we started, you know, 10 years ago with buying Miniclinic and a few other companies. But last year or a year, a little over a year ago when we bought Aetna, that was really the transformation of our business. 
And it was a model that nobody had seen before, which was to combine these retail locations for convenience with an insurance company. But really what that was is how do you, how do you combine the health thinking of Aetna with the retail and uh, convenience and consumer mindset of CVS and create the real retailization of healthcare? That's interesting because I know, I know health hubs and local health has definitely been core to your strategy. And, and again, I'm curious when our communities get back up and running, and I, I imagine people will be, you know, flooding out to spend some time appreciating what they took for granted in the past. And I am curious to see what happens when it, when, with the just this nature of healthcare feeling more, even more local still, and where that will take us next. In terms of marketing norm, uh, kind of bringing us back to, to the marketing side of things, you know, you are in, in quite a specific category at this moment in time, but are, are there lessons learned from your experience either through this broader transformation journey and then, of course, more particularly in this particular chapter over the past few weeks that you believe are applicable and valuable to other marketers despite their category, no matter what category they they are in? I think we're capable of much more agility and speed than we even thought was possible. Uh, Clearly, having the focus of this crisis helped, but if you ask the average uh, marketer to create an ad, have it trafficked and on air in eight days, I just don't think that that's something that most people are capable of or, or have ever done. And I think we discovered that we can do that. We've also discovered that when we focus on specific things, we get incredible traction versus spreading our efforts out across lots of different things, which is the natural state of affairs because everybody has an idea and all those ideas take resources and everybody kind of keeps going forward. But when we all focus on one idea, we can get a lot more traction. And so in some ways that's, um, you know, it was theoretically obvious uh, and practically not happening with a lot of companies. And, and so I think that that is, um, that's a lesson that we take forward. One, one burning question that a lot of people have on their minds, if I put on my, my human hat as opposed to my professional hat, is this whole idea of testing. Um, it does feel like, you know, the, the speed with which we can get back to some normal and which, of course, will impact what happens next with the economy and how we retain that, despite any future waves, comes down to availability of testing, which has been a very challenging topic, particularly in, in the U.S., and I, I know that CVS has been active in trying to scale testing and make it more available for lots of people. How do you think about testing in the short term as, as, as a continued part of your strategy? Yeah, well, testing is a really important piece, uh, not just for us, but for the economy uh, to get uh, going again, because in this maintenance, kind of maintaining or, or kind of controlling this virus, you have to do the testing so you know how things are working or not. And so getting that up as a core part of the infrastructure for how we manage through this thing is critically important. So we uh, we worked with three state governments and set up testing sites. We, we, uh, we're the only one to do what we call a rapid response. So you get your answer while you're there. Uh, and that's really a big difference because the previous testing um, got you an answer two or three days later, which you can imagine, you know, are people still around? Do they still have, uh, do, they, do they respond when you pick up the phone, et cetera? And um, and so that's important. I think that that is going to continue to roll out, uh, and it's really important. Then the other piece that could be helpful that people talk about is the testing of antibodies. Do you have the antibody? Have you had the virus? So you have the antibodies. And so now you know that I've created the antibodies to help fight the virus if it shows up again. And that could be really helpful. Yeah. I, I don't want to end on, on, a, on a dark note because uh, clearly there's much to worry about, and, and that is not news for anybody listening to this podcast. And hopefully, like me, you're also thinking about 
where to find optimism and where to find your silver linings, because I think we all need to hang on to that as we as we believe that we uh, we will come out the other side of this. What what does give you optimism? What what does make you dare I say excited about you know where there's where there is acceleration for good or change for good that you think will be beneficial to beneficial period. Well, the thing I'm excited about is the movement I sense from I to we. Uh, And um, I think as we've gone through this, we've realized how dependent we are on each other, how interconnected we are, and, and how much we have in common. And so I'm actually really optimistic that we come out of this with a kinder, more human culture focused on the priorities that are, uh, are we're, we're always important, but maybe more than we realized. Uh, so, for example, you know, without all the kids' activities, we're spending much more time together as a family. And one of the things we realized is actually we're all a lot calmer uh, and everybody's happier in that way. We were more overscheduled. And so um, so I think this, this more humanness uh, and the power of the human connection is something that I think we're seeing. And I'm hopeful that that changes our culture for the better. I would certainly echo that point. But but importantly, Norm, it's important that you share with us today, will CVS be stocking more toilet paper? Tell me yes. <laughs> yes. I heard I was on a call yesterday. And let me tell you, we specifically covered inventory levels of toilet paper and it's coming. So come on down. Well, there you go. Norm, thank you very much for your time today. It's been fascinating. You're in a fascinating space. And I know you're doing, and, and the company is doing enormously good work at a time when we desperately need it. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your partnership. And uh, Scott, we'll send it back over to you. Eileen and Norman, thank you so much for that great conversation. A lot of great insights into how CVS is handling the current COVID-19 situation. Next up, I want to pass the mic over to Scott Russell out in Detroit uh, for his conversation with Casey Herbers, the CMO of Quicken Loans. So Scott and Casey, take it away. Scott, thanks for having us here today. Appreciate it. I'm here with Casey Herbis, the CMO of Quicken Loans, someone I've worked with for quite a while, and someone who it looks like is adding a beard while he's working from home. What's the story there, Casey? Uh, listen, Scott, I've never, growing up as a kid, I was never allowed to, uh, I always had to make sure I shaved. My dad would uh, admonish me. My wife has let me get away with a corona virus uh, in shelter beard here for the at least the next few weeks and we'll see where it goes but it's not it's not a pretty scene <laughs> well speaking of family how is your family doing uh family family's doing good um you know michigan moved to uh in shelter right around jesus right around mid-march um i was at your office actually as news yeah. was breaking and basketball tournaments were canceling and i remember the day you were at the office and we'll get to this in a minute but i know we were watching is that's the NCAA tournament was being canceled at that time. You and I were saying you had been a Super Bowl advertiser, which in you looked at advertisers who had all their money in March Madness. And then, you know, as as it's approaching days before you need to pivot, you obviously do a lot with sports. We'll talk a little bit about golf in a minute, but these are obviously really difficult times for everyone. Everyone's trying to manage through them. But when this all came down from a from a marketing standpoint, your business is still running. You guys still have to do mortgages. What was what was the learning there? How did you approach it when it was time to go home and now you've got media in the marketplace and you need to you need to make decisions? Yeah. Um great great question. Obviously, you know, we weren't to the level of maybe some other brands that, you know, I'll use Buick or Capital One, you know, brands that traditionally put so much into the NCAA basketball tournament. I mean, that is a five, six week huge push for those brands. We had a hefty investment with the NCAA tournament. 
Um, and we, we had creative that we had refreshed coming off of our mascot campaign. But, you know, we had to quickly make decisions as a brand. Is the creative we have on air right? Is it contextually right? So we did, you know, as basketball started to cancel, we pulled our basketball creative off the off the air. Yep. Um, we were running, obviously, our Jason Momoa comfortable campaign, the extensions off of that from Super Bowl. And a few days in, we started to ask ourselves, are we are we running the risk and are we doing the right thing with our messaging? Could we be tone deaf here? It was very interesting watching brands very quickly that week of the, I'll call it the week of the 18th. We decided that we wanted to change our messaging and get out there that, you know, we, because at the end of the day, mortgage, you know, a lot of people are nervous about uh, what does this mean for my mortgage and my payments or a lot of questions. And we want to make sure that, you know, our clients or Americans know that we're there for them to help them every step of the way. That's who we are as a brand, as a, a company and a culture. So in two days, we scripted it. And then we d- had to figure out how do we do this? Could, do we just do, run, you know, do we just take running footage or do we just go out and buy some art? artwork, but we wanted to put Jay Farner, our CEO, on camera. And how could we do that? And so how can you do that safely? Um, Thankfully, I've got an in-house studio at Quicken Loans. And what normally, if you were to come to my shoots, we'd have 10, 15 people on set. We shot a full campaign with four people. We got that out within probably a week of us moving into shelter in place for the most part, particularly here in Michigan. And it was just that messaging of like, we're here for you. And if you have questions you know, about your mortgage, we're here. We can talk more about how the company's reacted to that. But also, you know, that fine line of interest rates are low. Business is very solid. People want to may have the interest of learning more or they want, they realize, hey, interest rates are low. I do need and I want to save money. And so we want to make sure we leaned into that, but it wasn't a, um, you know. Well, that's a helpful component too, message. right? That's a helpful component too, because you know people are living through this, and there's budget considerations, and refinancing your house is is one solution mm-hmm. to what people are facing. So, I mean, obviously that's the right call from the messaging standpoint, and in, in making sure that the you know you get the tone right, and that you have a, a message that's right for the times. I'm sure there was discussion around. You did the Momoa campaign. You you build all these assets. You do the Super Bowl. You're just starting to get the momentum. Is it hard? Was it hard to get consensus that no, we need to move off this, or was everybody kind of immediately there? Another great question, and you know, I, I heard somebody—I forget who it was. It might have been Governor Cuomo, and somebody was in a, during a press conference. And I heard him say something that really resonated because it, it it spoke to also to who we are as a culture. Sometimes when all hell's breaking loose and things are getting really, you know, a lot of things are getting flown flying at you, and you're trying to make a decision. Sometimes just doing the right thing is the right answer. And uh, that's who we are as a company and a culture. And it wasn't a big debate, quite honestly, Scott. It was us asking ourselves, do we do we need to be in market right now? Is this is all happening right? We you know each state each state was you know all of a sudden starting to report COVID cases and then unfortunate deaths and you know all the things everything that was that still is but was happening. And very quickly we told her this was the right thing to do was to let's go out there and tell you know tell America that we're here for them. We're here for them if they have the questions on their mortgage. Obviously, every day's press conference brings more and more questions uh, as maybe statements are made and clients have questions and they're unsure. How does this affect me? What does this mean for me? We've moved hundreds and hundreds of people into our servicing area. Um, you could imagine, Scott, our phone, our phone, email, chat, SMS, and all of our lines of communication have absolutely been blowing up at record levels for the last few weeks. But and, uh, So we are reacting to that 
So as we heard, saw all the questions flowing in, we started change, also changing our digital and our social and our dot-com messaging to tr try and address all the floods of questions that people had about uh, either forbearance or deferment or whatever, and whatever, whatever those even mean, let alone is it the right fit for me. So very simple. Yeah. It was a very simple decision. It was a matter of move fast, move at the, as Dan Gilbert always says, is move at the speed of the game and uh, get out there. Yeah, so let's talk about a, a marketing crisis. You know, you you were not in the NCAA tournament, but you guys have a golf tournament. Um, that's a huge part of your marketing platform. Last year, you guys did the Rocket Mortgage Classic, the first one ever here in the city of Detroit. It was a great event. I know you were looking forward to that event this year. Timing-wise, it was sitting right in the middle of this. So as you, you know, had to deal with that, what what's, what's the process you go for? Where do you pivot and where do you go with something that's so key to your marketing platform? You know, the Rocket the Rocket Mortgage Classic for us, Scott, has been a huge labor of love. It was a seven-year um, seven work in progress to bring the PGA Tour to Detroit for the first time ever. Last year was our first year. Huge success. Sold out all weekend. You know, obviously, we wanted to have a big showcase for the brand, but the most important thing was to shine a spotlight on the city and all the amazing things that are happening. We were the most awarded event on the PGA Tour. And obviously, this year, things are different. You know the PJ Tour, and much like every other sporting uh, sporting league and you know uh, uh, organization, is looking to try and understand how they can you know either uh, preserve or extend or whatever it may be the season. The PJ Tour is starting back up here in about forty five days, and the Rocket Mortgage Classic will be a part of it. Um, I can tell you, it will be running July second through the fifth at the Detroit Golf Club. We're super excited. Uh, we're just making that announcement now. Uh, but I can tell you, I have not slept in the past three weeks uh, because between working with the city, the state, uh, and making sure that we are doing the right thing in our city, it's not about doing doing a you know just putting on a golf tournament and showcasing the brand. It is making sure that we are doing the right thing in our city at this time. Detroit is one of the hardest hit areas, you know, with the, with these uh, challenging times. But we are going to make sure that the Rock and Mortgage Classic gives back the the main crux and the purpose, sole purpose this term this year is to uh, support uh, COVID-19 uh, relief efforts. And that includes health as well as education. We want to be able to help the, the, our students in the Detroit public schools have access, have access to computers and Wi-Fi uh, in these you know changing times when it comes to education. And we want to make sure we help the uh, our city part of the COVID-19 recovery. That's great. I mean, get, giving access to computers and things like that is, is outstanding. When you get, look to get this back on the schedule, you obviously have to line up the PGA, you have to line up the networks, you have other advertisers, other sponsors of events that are in there. How did that process work? Is that did did the PGA, did, did somebody bring order to it or is everyone in there pitching their own piece? Like how did they work through kind of thinking of the calendar? It's honestly, Scott, the last, the last two, three weeks, um, it's a it's a giant jigsaw puzzle. If you think you've got the PJ Tour, you got I believe fifteen to sixteen stops that need to be rescheduled. Those are domestic as well as international events uh, and majors that go along with it, with the USGA and the Masters tournament. Uh, you've got fifteen to sixteen title sponsors, and oh by the way, you've got the networks with so CBS, NBC, and whoever you know, whoever else it might be. And so it's a giant jigsaw puzzle, and it's all just working together. The tournament, you know, the PJ Tour season can't commence once again, and we're proud to be we're proud to be a big part of it, July second through the fifth. That's great. I also know you know you'd mentioned you're, you're doing the charitable piece of this, which is so important. But you guys are doing a lot of other stuff for the city, so you know the. 
Detroit was known as the uh, the arsenal of democracy, and so uh, now it's the arsenal of health. GM and Ford are uh, building things. Uh, I know you guys are really involved with this effort. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, and Scott, as you know from our organization, and some of your, you know, some of the UM family knows who we are. One of the things I love most about working at Quicken Loans and the family companies is our philosophy of for more than profit. As everything started happening, we literally immediately jumped in and asked ourselves, first of all, protect our team members, make sure all 18,000 plus of our team members are safe. And okay, we've got everybody safe. Um, thinking about our client, thinking about our clients, uh, making sure every client, every time, no exceptions, no excuses, we address our clients. At the same time, what is the right thing to, how can we help our city uh, how can we all help our city and the community? And so the first thing we did is we made uh, we've made some big financial uh, commitments to the city, United Way, and some other housing. Uh, and then we started working with hospitals. Hospitals were overrun with uh, trying to find and source uh, masks and equipment. So we started helping them with procurement services. Uh, the mayor's office called and wanted to stand up a COVID nineteen testing center. Had secured a bunch of testings, but didn't have the back end uh, testing being able to appointments and what should take uh, what would normally take a team a year uh, we had over 100 technology people jump in in five days stand up a covid 19 testing reservation system if you will that uh, was operational within five days you know helping with some small business I mean we're at the point now we've also secured some manufacturing we have some companies within the family uh, within the family we make football helmets uh, watches with Shinola. And we've secured some equipment. So now we're also making masks for, you know, our first line essential workers. But we have a whole host of people. I'm, I'm waking up and going to bed every day, basically uh, talking about COVID-19, what we can do as an organization to help our city uh, and thinking about what else we can do and tying threads and helping anybody in the community that might need help from hospitals to our, our city government to, you know, other companies that might need some assistance. So that's been, um, that's been a very gratifying part of, you know, being work from home is, you know, doing the day job, doing the day job, but also knowing that, you know, your, uh, the side hustle is helping, uh, helping a city and a community. So Casey, just in general, having lived through this, uh, everything you've been dealing with for the past few weeks, what advice do you have for your peers, for other, for other marketers? What have you learned? This is new for all of us, right? I mean, you know, old guys like you and I, I don't remember 79 in the, you know, the, my, my dad would talk about, you know, he was excited paying 15% interest, uh, you know, interest on his mortgage. Um, but I was around in 2001. My you dad, know, I was around. 20s. He was in uh, like 22%, I think, in like the early 80s. Yeah, on his, on his mortgage. yeah but you know, um, you know, in, in 9-11, uh, sing, you know, I was in the automotive business as you were in during 9-11 and, uh, you know, helping America get rolling again was a big focus on the automotive. And then we were, we were together in 2008, 9, and 10 when we went through the recession. I mean, I remember laying in bed watching, you know, I've never watched so much C-SPAN in my life as, you know, the automotive companies and other industries, but particularly, uh, you know, our, you know, at the time, our client, which was Chrysler at the time, and uh, before I joined them, you know, I learned a lot then. And it's interesting now what, what I learned in 2008, 9, and 10, and what I tell younger team members now because I think about, I have a younger team, Scott, and you know, and I, I look around the, I look around the hallways, and you sometimes have to remember, maybe a good thirty or forty percent of my team, they weren't in business in two thousand eight, nine, and ten. They were in high school or college, and so they've had pretty good freaking. If they just entered the workplace the last five, six, seven, eight years, 
they've experienced a pretty good run. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, here we are. And so a couple of things. One is in 2008, 9, and 10, you know, what I learned is crisis develops opportunity. And even though a lot of things maybe didn't go well for a period of time, I don't know one person that was good at what they did and had respect within the industry that didn't end up in a better spot. Uh, maybe it wasn't the first week, maybe it wasn't the second week, but very soon afterwards, um, I saw a lot of a lot of people seek additional, uh, found additional opportunities to take advantage of that. And I, I look now, so that's one of the things I, rem- I remind, I remind you know our younger team members now is we'll get through this together. We'll be stronger as a result, and as an organization, what we're looking at is not what happened a month ago, and that's what's happening today. But what is this new normal going to look like thirty? 60, 90, 120 days, six months, a year from now. And how do we get ready for that now? We can't live in the, we can't just live on in yesterday and today, but what's going to happen six months from now? And what is that new normal? And we have to plan to it. I think yeah. there's going to be abundance of opportunity for a lot of industries. Uh, I think there's, you know, from a housing standpoint, we just, you know, the refinance is very hot. I hope, you know, we hope and trust that interest rates are going to be low as we as we continue here. And I think there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand and purchase. I don't know about you, but you know, I've been sitting in my house for the last month thinking, you know what? I might not I might be ready for the next house, <laughs> right? Or yeah. you've got folks folks that are living in New York or Chicago or in an urban setting, man, you guys have that house in the suburbs and a yard right now or you know, more space or I need that third bedroom, whatever it might be. I think we're going to see a lot of pent-up demand coming out of it and we're going to see the purchase the purchase market blossom. And what are we and who are we to be ready to when that takes place? Not not looking in our rearview mirror and what happened, but what needs to happen tomorrow. Uh, that's what we're spending a lot of our time focusing on. That is not only what's the today, but what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, no, I'm super happy that you called out my age and talked about all the battles we've lived through together. No but problem. Now that that's been exposed, you know, <laughs> yeah. we did go through that. And I, I think an, an important thing, um, which you were just kind of speaking to, is that a lot's going to happen. And it's hard when you're in the moment of the crisis to know that you need to be planning and the timing of the way the economy and, and marketing and all everything happens coming out is such a difficult thing to gauge. And so from the automotive side with Keep America Rolling, you know, GM, Chrysler, Ford, all those guys got back in and they, they worked to be part of what was going to be the resurgence of that economy. And so I know we're trying to figure a lot out as a country right now, but, uh, you know, for marketers, there's there's a lot of difficult things to try to stage and you really got to be looking down the road. Casey, is there yeah, anything I, around it? I don't know if this has been a marketing thing, but you were saying earlier that, you know, you guys are obviously listening and taking a lot of questions from your customers. So you've, you've put a lot of resources in place. So people want to know what forbearance is. They want to know about like, so in nope. that, has, has that created any yes. different approaches in marketing? It's great. Yeah, it's, you know, listening, you know, is a big a big part of who we are is uh, one of our philosophies, as I've shared before, is every client, every time, no exceptions, no excuses. And that means listening to our, our client. Uh, and that listening is obviously the feedback we get. We service over 2 million uh, loans. And so we get a lot of feedback in the servicing area. We also listen to all the social, right? I've got a team of six, six team members. Uh, they, they go from 8 a.m. to midnight, six day, or seven days a week, 365 days a year. And we're listening to the sentiment, the feedback. And that sentiment and feedback is helping shape some of our narrative moving forward as clients are asking the questions or they're given a sentiment of, you know, concerns or needs or a desire for something. It's helping really feed a lot of, um, 
in our future narrative, whether it be in a brand campaign, in longer form content. We have a, I have a full, a fully staffed publishing house that we're public, you know, publishing 140, 160 articles on a given month, uh, as people want to understand and consume content and go deeper on something. Yeah. So as a marketer, it's always good to listen to your customers, but that's probably more important now than ever. Uh, absolutely. We live in a world where obviously media is changing so fast and where we go and, and what channels we're using are so important and changing every day. We're in a situation now where that's accelerated and this is a whole new space. You know, what what strategies, what things have you done? How are you using media differently? Are there things you've tried or tested? But, you know, as a marketer, where where is the role and where are the channels playing in that role? Yeah, obviously over the past month, I mean, we're an always on advertiser. We don't flight run 24 seven, 365 uh, on a myriad of uh, channels. We're very, very broad uh, from linear digital video, heavy in the audio space, terrestrial streaming podcast. Um, obviously what we've seen over this past month, and I'm gonna sound like I'm gonna maybe, I'm gonna charge you a uh, like a product placement fee here, but like media mix modeling right now is probably as important as most important thing that we could be looking at. Um, because I'll give you a great example is news. News for us has been a, um, that's been a day part and a medium that we've been seeing, you know, from a, our clients, generally our clients and our target will generally consume that more in the digital social space. But obviously over the past month, we've seen what well, everyone's at home and we've seen that shift from, yes, I'm living on two or three screens, but I know I'm watching fivefold the amount of linear linear uh, media than I normally would given my day. So it's seen how the market, the market has changed. We're seeing some dynamic shifts there. Um, also from a messaging standpoint, uh, we've been utilizing maybe some audio channels to push more of a retail message, but we realize our people are leaning, leaning much more in uh, to some of the audio. We wanted to shift some of that messaging to more of our brand, you know, more of our, um, you know, we're here for you, as well as our thank you, our, our campaign that we just rolled out, where we're thanking essential workers and, you know, uh, or our heroes that are helping us keep safe in our home every day. Casey, thanks a lot. We, we really appreciate you joining us in Floor 9. It's been uh, great to spend time with you. And uh, best of luck. I know we'll be talking probably tomorrow. So have a good one. Good. Thanks. Those were two fantastic interviews, really giving us insight uh, into how different companies are really responding to this crisis today. Um, so Adam, with that, shall we dive into some news of the week? Yeah, let's dive into the news. The first item of news uh, is an unprecedented partnership between Apple and Google that was announced last Friday. Yeah, so Google and Apple announced uh, that they are working together to build a COVID-19 contact tracing um, first application, but eventually building the functionality directly into Android and iOS. Um, and what this is at a super high level is a way for you to, uh, for, for the system to understand which other individuals you have been within uh, transmission, transmission which other individuals you have been within transmission range of uh, for the virus um, so that if you are uh, diagnosed with the virus uh, in, in the future, a few days later, um, the app will be able to see your history of people that you've come in close contact with um, and uh, be able to notify those people that they also need to be tested. 
Um, I think, you know, it sounds cool in theory. There's a lot of technical challenges. There's a lot of logistical challenges. Um, I think the good thing is that they are building this eventually. It will be built directly into the operating system. It will still be opt-in. It is still designed in a way to preserve uh, your individual privacy. Um, so it's good that they're building this because it's done in a better, more sort of respectful privacy respecting way than uh, we might see if governments were just doing it themselves. Um, and, and governments will be able to build on top of this to build their own applications. Uh, but, you know, contact tracing uh, with just using technology uh, is kind of an open question as to how effective it's actually going to be. We've been talking about this trend of how COVID-19 is uh, really accelerating and also a an opportunity for innovation to kind of flourish. And I think we're seeing that happen right here with two of the biggest tech companies in the world uh, forging a partnership, uh, which is pretty unprecedented um, throughout their histories. Yeah, I think it's it's a big deal. I think it, it moves us uh, a little closer to uh, some of the, the, the privacy invasive lines that uh, we were talking about just earlier this year. Um, you know, it's 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 an open question. It's this is exactly the, the right. kind of, of situation where people are willing to give up some of their privacy. Uh, the the problem is that it's going to be hard to pull that back once that uh, that cat is out of the box. Right. Well, we'll we'll see what happens uh, as the days and weeks go on. Next up, we have an announcement from Sling TV. Uh, they have announced an initiative called Happy Hour, where they're offering free primetime viewing of fifty plus live channels. Yeah, so you know this is obviously a cool promotion uh, for them. They are an ad-supported, um, you know, uh, virtual MVPD. Um, so the more people who use it, uh, the more people who, uh, the more ad revenue they're going to get. It's a great way to boost their numbers and, uh, get some attention on the service. You know, right now, uh, fewer people are probably in in the market, uh, for, for this. Uh, but in the long run, um, we do think that, uh, once live sports comes back, there will be a lot of people who will maybe have, uh, trimmed back their cable access, maybe cut the cord and will be in the market for a service exactly like Sling TV. So it's a good way for them to get in on people's radar right now on that topic uh, and not related at all I guess uh, is Postmates is now delivering essentials from Walgreens Dwayne Reed and 7-Eleven which I thought this was super interesting knowing that they were focused more on uh, food delivery and I think even when they first came out with 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 their offering years ago they had a more convenience driven you know solution as well but they kind of you know swapped that in favor of the restaurant business Um, you know this is like a great way to bring companies that might not have a good online e-commerce presence, this kind of gives them like an option. It's like an e-commerce light option to maybe take advantage of what inventory people have in stores and allow them to order that through Postmates, uh, which I thought was pretty exciting. So right now, it's again, it's just with essentials from Walgreens and Dwayne Reed. But um, I I, I kind of think of this as like, you know, like an e-commerce light uh, solution for brands that are out there. Yeah, it's a great return to Postmates sort of original business model. Um, and they sure could be helpful for brands that don't have the logistics in place already to get up and running right now. And to wrap up the news this week, we have one last announcement from YouTube. Uh, They've launched a free DYI tool for businesses that are in need of short video advertisements. Um, I think this is something that a lot of businesses have been struggling with and trying to figure out. It's a great way for businesses uh, to start building um, advertisements from remote locations uh, on a platform where we're starting to see a lot of traction, uh, knowing that people are stuck at home, they're they're in quarantine, and they are looking for content, uh, specifically video content. 
yeah, watch out creative agencies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, I think seriously, especially this is a great time for this tool. Um, YouTube viewing is up over 100% uh, since the lockdown. And uh, this is just a great way to make YouTube a little more turnkey for the kind of small businesses that maybe uh, usually rely on Facebook and Instagram for their advertising. Now they're able to quickly, without a lot of experience and a lot of uh, skills, uh, produce video assets uh, that will they can run on YouTube. Um, so it de- great, I think greatly expands the market for uh, YouTube ads. Um, and I expect that we will see tools like this uh, from, from Facebook and Instagram, from Snapchat, uh, from TikTok eventually, uh, to be able to uh, have that turnkey democratized creativity solution built into their platforms. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's taking the solutions that, that they already have for consumers and kind of putting like, like an enterprise uh, filter on top of it. Um, and again, kind of think about how creativity evolves. Like here we're seeing, like to your point, this digital creativity evolve into like a more enterprise solution. And it's all, you know, powered by phones um, and other handheld devices that, that we have access to, which is, you know, pretty incredible. Yeah. It's a great way to think about it. Well, Adam, I think it's time to wrap the show. So listeners, that's our show this week. Uh, thank you so much as always for, for listening. Um, if you're looking for more great content, please check out ipglab.com. That's our website. From there, you can get access to our newsletter. You can follow us on, on social, Twitter, and Instagram. Our handle is at ipglab. Uh, and remember, this Friday from 2 to 3 p, we'll be hosting IPG Media Lab office hours on Twitch. Uh, the channel is twitch.tv forward slash IPG underscore lab. Uh, we got a great guest coming on this week uh, from Adder to talk all things esports and gaming uh, and influencers. So we're super excited about that conversation. So as always, stay safe, stay healthy, and remember to wash your hands. 